Welcome to Private Banking Strategies Podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks, your secret weapon to protect your assets and never have to start over financially again. Vance and Seth help high net worth individuals, families, business owners, and investors structure an asset-protected, tax-free fortress for their families. Learn how to keep what you earn and use the velocity of money to create your own private banking system. Join us on this journey as we explore the secret strategies of the rich and political elite and help you take total control of your financial security. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Private Banking Strategies with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. Vance, how are you? I'm fantastic. Great to be alive today. That's absolutely as is every day. <laughs> At least ver- <laughs> verbally we can say that. Seth, I-, I am coming to you next. I want to, first of all, hello, how are you? Doing great, Eric. Thank- thanks for having us. Oh, well, thanks for having me. This is a, this is a quite the journey I've been on, learning an, an incredible amount from you guys. Um, and I-, I know that this podcast actually piggybacks off the last one. And so I'd love for you to give a, just a kind of a brief recap of what we spoke about on the last podcast in case somebody's joining us for the first time uh, and, and they're going to hear this one. Sure. Our, our focus on episodes 25 and 26, Eric, are on the asset protection pillar of the, the private banking strategies. We've got seven pillars. Asset protection is number one. And we're focused on the asset protection of your cash the asset protection of your real estate and business assets. And we discussed the problem in episode 25 of an 800 pound gorilla, uh, you know, running loose with arms of taxation and confiscation. And we talked through what bail ends are, what the Dodd-Frank Act allows centralized banks to do. We posed some questions that hopefully red pill the, the listener into an epiphany of the truth that you're Deposits are not safe in centralized banks, despite FDIC insurance mm-hmm. and despite other promises of the government to to protect you. And we talked about how uh, your centralized banks are effectively agents of the government and they're not acting in your best interest. And then we just started to lay seed about how there are other options for you. And they're quite simple. And those asset protection alternatives are, are what we're going to discuss today. Yeah, and I want to jump in right there because what you just said, I think that if somebody's joining us for the very first time, they could say, oh man, this is all conspiracy theory. One thing that Seth did on the last podcast, and I want to make this very clear, is that he had some of those questions about the the topics that he just covered and said, Google this. Look it up for yourself. Do a little bit of research on your own. Don't take my word for it. Go look at these things. The problem is, is that these things are factual. And I I think that, uh, Vance, you're the one that said it best, that a lot of times we get ostrich syndrome, if that's how you put it, and think, well, that could never happen. And we stick our heads in the sand. But there's proof about these things that have happened in the past, and it's not as though they couldn't be repeated because laws were put in place that will actually enable it to happen easier. And so don't think it's just a conspiracy because it's not. Look it up for yourself. Verify what Seth and Vance are telling you. I have. And it doesn't make me happy. <laughs> Guys, I don't know how else to say that. It's frustrating. Well, I, and out in the last show, I mentioned the fact that I had a friend who told me that our own uh, government, through executive order, had confiscated gold in FDR's term. And I 
told him he was crazy. Never happened. And I looked it up and had egg all over my face because it did happen. And it was punishable by jail time if you didn't turn in your gold at $20 ascribed value. And that was one of the things that led me down a pathway and a rabbit hole to be more scrupulous in the things I'd been brainwashed to believe. One of those being that my local bank was my friend and was there for my protection and that my money was safe in that local bank. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So where do we start today? Here's the question that we're, that we're asking. If there's been this uh, massive influx, $17.4 trillion in, in cash stored in centralized banks, why is it there if people were aware of the lack of safety and the lack that it, of, of real security in that is because they don't know of another alternative. Well, private banking strategies is a better option. And if you're listening for the first time or you're unaware of what private banking strategies is, let's just start with that question. What What is it? It's a completely private way to store cash in what we like to call an asset protected vault. It's safe and guaranteed. There's no risk of loss. There's no counterparty risk. There's no market risk. There's no disclosure. It's a completely private means with no government reporting. And that's completely unlike centralized banks, as we've discussed. And here's a real, real value of it, that the IRS through the Internal Revenue Code 7702, has said that this structure is completely hands-off. There's no taxable event with your money put into this vault or taken out of this vault, and all of it grows and compounds annually, year after year, without any uh, IRS involvement whatsoever. And that's by their own uh, rules and regulations. And that's why the likes of John F. Kennedy, Ray Kroc, Walt Disney, and many other entrepreneurs and ultra high net worth people have taken advantage of this. In fact, uh, most politicians and, and legislators, they're aware of this and they use this. In fact, your centralized banks use this tool to the tune of 15, 20, 25 million, a billion, I'm sorry, billion with a B, uh, dollars in, in, uh, assets in their own private banking vaults. And those are all reportable that they they disclose. So you can look those things up, how much uh, money Wells Fargo has in its its life insurance assets. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about private banking structure and strategies uh, that the ultra rich and that these banking institutions have used themselves for uh, over 100 years. Yeah, I just want to uh, step in here and talk about, uh, because we didn't in the last show, that America changed when the Federal Reserve took control back in the early 1900s. And one of the main facets, main reasons that America was so powerful is because they were so independent, all the way down to the family unit. The pioneers, the home structures, everything, every family had to uh, exist pretty much on its own. The banking was totally different than it is today. It was derived from life insurance companies who came into existence to take care of that function that people required. And that slowly was eradicated 
out of the United States when the Federal Reserve took over to the point that they were so successful in doing that that our monetary system, how money works, how money grows, was completely eliminated out of virtually all of our research. It's very, very hard to find out how money works. So what we're talking about in the private banking strategy as a protective vault is not new. It's it's virtually as old or older than our country. And it's tried true strategies and systems. If we put together these still existing contracts with with these insurance carriers, it's not about buying life insurance. It's about constructing the perfect private banking contract. Is it a life insurance contract? Yes. Will it come with some death benefit? Yes, but an absolute minimum. There are a few rules we have to follow. What Seth was telling you earlier is that one of the places you can go to look for security in today's environment is where do the banks put their money, their safe money. And they put it in these exact contracts with life insurance carriers. Hmm. Banks are the number one clients of life insurance car- you know, carriers. It, it, you've got cash sitting in the bank, and you want to protect yourself and, and your family from uh, bail-ins, from unnecessary reporting or being labeled terrorist. You want financial privacy, um, and you want to pay as little tax as legally possible. Well, then private banking strategies is something that you should explore. Um, if you're intent on keeping your financial affairs offline and private, uh, then it, it's something you need to take a hard look at. I, I think people often come to us, Eric, because they were referred by a family member or a friend who feels like they've discovered the holy grail mm-hmm. for protecting their cash and their assets. And they, they're, they're enthusiastic and they want to understand all of the aspects of what private banking strategies is and does. And that's why we've created the robust asset platform and content platform so that people can can really dig in topic after topic and they can really analyze these things and they can go do their own research and they can hear uh, from various people in the industry to determine hey they vet these things but i think that they they really get down to brass tacks and they're seeing things shape up in our current culture and economy they're going to find that there's really no better way to protect their cash assets than in the the private vault that i'm describing and one of the things that we like to offer our our prospects who uh, come to us looking for information as a as a red pill book i like to call it and you can find that on our our website and i'll tell you more at the end of the show exactly where that is and how to go but you can find this book and you can download it in written form or listen to it and it highlights some of the same issues in more detail of what vance and i are describing on this podcast in episode 25 our clients what we hear them saying to us eric over and over again is they they're able to rest securely they're able to have you know peace of mind knowing that their their affairs are financially private 
that their their cash is liquid and accessible. They can use it. They can put it to work. But at the same time, it's it's totally beyond the uh, Dodd-Frank confiscation. It's totally beyond reporting of centralized banks. And they've got the financial security in, in this structure that their plan never goes backwards. They're not going to lose money, like if it's in stocks and bonds. And I, we, We've talked about this before. We're in the longest bull run in history in, this, in the stock market, longest bull run in history in the real estate market. Every market cycles, whether it's real estate or stocks, cycles up and down. And so this is something that's outside of that. It never goes backwards. It never retraces. It never corrects. It's always a steady progress. And so that's that's the things that we hear our clients echoing in, in the value and benefits of private banking strategies. Yeah, absolutely. And and one thing that we spoke about on the last podcast was when we were talking about taxes and how people complain that the rich don't do their share, they don't pay their fair share. And that's all in the last podcast. But it's it's the bottom line is that most people don't have access to the quote unquote loopholes and things that the wealthy do when it comes to taxes. But this is something that you, I mean, you mentioned Ray Kroc, you mentioned, you've mentioned many, many famous people that use this strategy or have used this strategy in the past. And this isn't out of reach for, for a lot of people. I mean, this, this is something that people can do with way less money than they think. Eric, that is so true. That is a correct observation on your part right there. Anybody, every single person, no matter what financial condition they're in, can set up their own economic situation and improve and you know actually see improvement every single month. And regain the hope mm-hmm. <laughs> and the faith that we have to have in order to succeed. One of the things I think in life uh, with free nations versus unfree nations is the hope inside of the, you know, the average individual, whether they can succeed. In America, it has always been that I'm in the land of opportunity, and if I so choose, I can achieve anything I want. Well, our government's teaching us today that, no, you have to share any of your your success. If you decide to work extra hard, that's good, but you have to share that along the way. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of hard to accept. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. this is the way that that we don't have to do that. Uh, you also said something about taxes that to the average person does not have access to a lot of the tax sophistication when in fact we do and all it is is education. When we do this eight-year analysis, when we bring people into the system, we introduce them to what decisions they have to make to be successful with money. And along the way, what is so surprising because of the lack of understanding of how money works is that the majority of people choose not to do successful things. And it's an actual physical, mental choice. I choose not to have a financial plan to to follow. I choose to spend principal because I do not believe money has value. And it's it's only purpose is to use it one time. Well, mm-hmm. that's what the banks want us to do. Yeah, I, I, it's just you know the ten percent rule. It goes back anciently. 
you know, who's the first person you're supposed to pay when you bring money home? You're supposed to pay yourself first <laughs> and then put the money to work. Mm-hmm. People don't understand that we're taught when I put money to work, oh, I guess I need to put it in an account, in investment, mutual funds, or whatever. That's not putting your money to work. You're putting the money to work for someone else. Yeah. That that other person on the average will double money as often as on the average two and a half years where how often do our our accounts double? And it's because we don't understand how money works, where the value is, how to how to multiply it, how to grow it. Mm-hmm. So that's what this is all about. We're trying to identify the problem so people don't continue to do the wrong things. So many of us, oh, well, I've got to earn more money, so I'll, I'll work harder. And they still don't get ahead. Or you can't keep doing the wrong things and get a different results. Do you see yourself in that story? Do you feel like you are generating a lot of revenue but are not moving forward as fast as you would like? Are you ready for help? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com. So it's it, it's amazing how this strategy works, whether you're ultra wealthy, high net worth individual, or you're a blue collar uh, person. And we've done a couple of episodes, episode 10 and 11, which uh, highlight uh, twin sisters, one who implemented a, a saving strategy through a CD at the bank and the other through a private banking strategy. And uh, the one who implemented the private banking strategy came out far, far ahead. And if you, you want to see some actual numbers of a, a very small amount put into private banking uh, asset every year, take a look at those episodes and, and it will really shock your mind uh, to learn that the sister who implemented the, the private banking strategy had a million dollars and cash value at the end of of her road and and was able to take $50,000 out a year in retirement. And this was 30, 40 years ago, uh, every year while her sister used the CD method, ran out of money in five years. And not to mention that she had a sizable death benefit that she left uh, tax-free to her heirs and with, like I said, no no tax consequence whatsoever. So this works for the ultra-high uh, net worth folks mm-hmm. and the blue collar folks as as well. And I'll tell you, Vance's passion and, and his real joy is to see folks who uh, who come out from, from the blue collar place into a real place of success. And we've got one such client who had relatively small policies on an annual basis and has parlayed that into multiple real estate investment property ownerships and just a real success story from implementing the private banking strategies. And at the other end of the spectrum, we've got the high net worth and family-owned business folks who are uh, contributing high, high, high sums into their private banks and, and turning and moving their money and and making the system work um, at the other end of the spectrum so it, it works from the 
from the blue collar all the way to the top, Eric. Yeah. So I want to ask you a question about something that you mentioned earlier. You spoke about asset protection of real estate and uh, also you had mentioned business assets. How does that play into this? Well, think of it like this. When you start to implement your own private banking strategies, you begin to think like a banker. And in effect, you you do. You, you create your own private bank entity that's a family-owned banking entity and that it begins to finance purchases, finance business expansion, finance real estate acquisition, and you protect those loans in the same way that uh, Wells Fargo or Bank of America would protect its loan. So let's look at real estate for a second. If you go down to Wells Fargo and say, hey, we, we, we need a, a loan to purchase this property as our home, and you have the financials to, to qualify for that loan, and the loan-to-value ratios work out, then they, they loan you the money, and you put down a deposit, and then they file a lien against that property, known as a mortgage or a deed of trust, and you pay the loan back until it's fully paid. Well, with your own private banking entity and structure, it's the same thing. Your private bank finances that home purchase or that investment property purchase or whatever form of real estate asset it is. And then as any reasonable and prudent lender would do, they lean and securitize that transaction. And so in effect, you're keeping the same dollar in your own family economy, but your bank is a separate entity and it's an arm's length transaction. And it gets the money back on the money that it loans with interest, which as Vance has pointed out is, is not taxable. So is that a great deal or not? Yeah. Sounds pretty fantastic. (laughs) It really is. Now Vance, you've put this strategy to work with real estate assets and private banking entities and putting it to work and with your children and your, your grandchildren, um, Tell us a little bit how your family banking system works. Well, at this point in time, my kids, I have four children and 10 grandkids, and I've prodded them into, you know, we've got a family bank now. I want you to use the family bank to finance the things that you need because the money will come back to the bank for you to use over again. Well, I left it at that, and I made a mistake, and the first question they asked me, well, how much interest are you going to charge? And that's better answered by saying, you're going to own equity in the family bank, and would you like your earnings high or low? Eric, if I asked you that, what would you say? I'd like them high as possible, please. (laughs) Hi. That's the interest we're going to charge above what needs to be maintained in the family bank. And that will uh, credit to your interest. Once they really understand that, okay, that's great. So we have implemented that. Uh, Seth helped us uh, on the asset side when we purchased this new home. We created uh, uh, the documents and the trust that necessary so that when our family bank bought this mortgage and set up a mortgage repayment, we sold that loan to a trust company for a much higher value. Now, we can go into much greater detail uh, on our website and other areas. It's just an example of how private banking works. 
So your private bank acts, Eric, just like any other third-party lender works. They, they record security instruments. They record deed of trust, mortgage that effectively make them a priority paid uh, lien holder. And it's the same thing if you have a business and you have you say you've got a startup or you need business expansion capital and you're a small business in America. A lot of folks go to the uh, Small Business Administration, the SBA, and go through a loan process and and the SBA decides to loan them money. Well, the SBA liens those business assets. If you're a restaurant, uh, they're leaning all of your furniture and fixture and equipment. They're learning your accounts receivables. They're leaning the, the valuables in that business to make sure they get paid back. Well, it's the same thing with your own private bank is that you, you can loan to any third party or within your family or in an arm's length transaction and you simply create the same security instruments and the same business relationship that the SBA would create or that Wells Fargo creates. And you make sure that that money that you've loaned out of your bank comes back to your bank plus interest. So in effect, the borrower makes payments to the lender according to an amortized payment schedule, just like a borrower would on a home purchase or on a investment property purchase or on uh, a business loan. So how does that get accomplished then? Is that something that you help your clients do or is that taught to them? Do they have to get yes. an attorney that draws that up? How's that work? No, yeah, I, that I, works I, exactly I, the way. Yeah, we help them. We help them structure that and accomplish that. Um, and for those of you have, who haven't heard prior podcasts, I mean, I'm I'm a 25 year practicing attorney, commercial transactions, and and help to structure these things for our clients when they want to implement private banking uh, transactions and they want to loan money from their banks to acquire assets, acquire businesses expand businesses, something that, that, that uh, I help them do. Now, this is your bank really steps in the shoes of what a traditional bank typically does. And for those folks, this is where it gets really easy because a lot of people have some form of debt, whether it's a mortgage on their home, whether it's mortgages on investment properties or credit card debt or car automobile debts, your bank can be utilized to effectively purchase the debt from that third party and keep the dollars within your own family economy. So you got a $25,000 auto debt and you've got a $25,000 loan that you can make from your private bank to purchase that uh, auto debt from a third party lender, you begin to make the, the cash flow and the interest payments on that auto debt into your own uh, private bank. So this works in in small increments, Eric, whether we're talking about minor credit card debt or a little bit larger auto debt or even larger home debt, or if we're talking about a multi-million dollar business acquisition, it's the same principle. Let me also explain, Eric, that uh, sometimes as we explain this, it sounds confusing. It sounds complicated. Well, man, if I have four or five loans out there, you know, how am I tracking this? How am I doing that? I still run, even with uh, the activities I've got today, five separate companies, all on the private banking strategy. 
And with the little software that we teach people how to set up the loans and track, it does not even take 30 minutes a month wow. to run this strategy for all five companies combined. It's it, it's simple once it's set up, but to learn it, it's something new. You know, yeah. it might be alien. Sometimes I call guys, you're going to speak a little Martian or something, you know, <laughs> because people don't understand because they have never heard or understood the flow of money. And that's yeah. why we go through this. And this is how we're dissecting it through these podcasts. All right. Makes sense. So if you want to protect your cash... It's where we started, Eric. You can do that and through your private bank, and it's in an asset-protected vault, fully liquid. You want to protect your real estate, you do it through your private bank and the transactions that we've just discussed. Same thing with the business. And within this concept and this structure, you're able to capture what we call the velocity of money. And we did an episode number four called The Velocity of Money, where we describe getting multiple touches on the same dollar and being able to capitalize your private bank with a dollar and pull that money out of your private bank and loan it in one of the various forms we just described. And then you've got cash flow and you've got receivables and you've got rental income that all come back through in the form of payments back into your bank which include interest and you've got that money in your bank ready to use yet again for further business expansion or another real estate uh, acquisition or another purchase of credit card debt or auto debt. And there's that cyclical velocity of money and you're getting internal rates of return that uh, will blow your mind. And when you say, well, you get a 50 and 60% internal rate of return on some of just these basic transactions, people go, no way. And, but then Vance will show you, he'll lay it out for you and demonstrate to you in a, in an eight year roadmap, exactly how that's working. Hmm. All right. Well, I know that we're getting close to the end of our time together. Um, what do we need to finish up with this podcast? Well, if, if the light bulb is, is coming on for our, our listeners and the things that we're describing are resonating with, with what we've said, then go to our website at privatebankingstrategies.com. And there you'll have a contact us uh, form that pops up and you tr give us your name and your email and we'll begin to email you content that is informative on these very topics and the seven pillars of private banking strategies. And we also give our prospects a free book. We like to call it a red pill book and you can read that or listen to it. And that's available on our website there at privatebankingstrategies.com. And you can begin to dive into content that we've spent years putting together in the form of podcast and blog post and emails that really educate the listener as to how this works. If you've done that and these things are resonating with you, we offer you a, a, a free consultation, an exploratory call with Vance where he kind of drills down on your particular goals and, and how it would work for you. That's how we jump this process off, Eric. All right. Well, Vance, I don't want to leave this conversation without giving you the last word. It, what's so important, if we're not happy with the results we've received so far in life, in working and everything else, something has to change. A change has to be made in order mm -hmm. to get a different results. And we're offering 
that change for people to learn and literally take in. You know, you can give a person a, a fish and feed them for a day, or you can teach someone how to fish and feed them for a lifetime. Money is not what people think it is. Though we think we know about money, it's quite a bit different. And once we understand how money works and grows, we'll never look back. And the results will be far more to our favor than in any other process. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, again, thank you so much for your time today. And of course, the last thank you goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Private Banking Strategies podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Vance and Seth come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Private Banking Strategies, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Did that story feel like it was about you? Do you feel you should be making more progress toward your financial goals? Do you feel stuck? Let us help you get unstuck. Are you ready to take action and get your own private bank? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com. Thank you for listening to the Private Banking Strategies podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of private banking strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.